Good morning and welcome. For those of you that are joining us online, this is our first service on Sunday morning. We have two, and the first one is devoted to our Bible prophecy update. We're so very glad that you're joining with us, and uh, we're going to get right to it if you don't mind. I do want to mention, though, real quick that uh, second service, we're going to resume our verse-by-verse study. We're currently in the book of Titus, the third chapter. We're not quite done with uh, Titus yet, but our text today is going to be chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And I'm going to talk about how it is that we're to deal with those who sow discord and cause division within the body of Christ, within the church. So that will be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. Also, for those watching online, we would really encourage you to go directly to jdfarag.org instead of YouTube or Facebook, as the update in its uncensored entirety will only be available on the website. So we're going to start off here on YouTube and Facebook, and then at some point uh, we will end that live stream and redirect you to the website. Hopefully you're already there from the start, so it's uninterrupted. Okay. Uh, tough stuff today. You're looking at me like, when is it not? <laughs> um, I need to talk with you today about the satanic propaganda prevalent today, which I would humbly suggest is being met with an astonishing success. Um, you know what, before we get started, I'd like to pray, if you would join with me. Yeah. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this, your church, these, your people, and our time together in your word today. Lord, would you, as only you can, and are always so faithful to, by the Holy Spirit, first get our attention, and then hold our attention so our minds don't wander, we're not distracted, and we don't miss anything that you have for us today. As hard as the times we are in can be, Lord, we look to you at times like this and we readily admit and humbly acknowledge our desperate desperation for you. So Lord, will you minister to us? Will you temper me and control me? If I have anything that I'm planning to say that you would not have me to say, Lord, you need to control me and stop me by the Holy Spirit so I don't say it. And conversely, if there's something I'm not planning to say that you would have me to say, then I really need the Holy Spirit to prompt me so that I'm found faithful saying it. 
Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with a definition. I think it's incumbent upon me to first take just a moment and provide a brief definition of what propaganda is. And in order to do that, we'll go to Britannica. Britannica defines it as the dissemination of information, arguments, rumors, half-truths or lies to influence public opinion. Propaganda is the more or less systematic effort to manipulate other people's beliefs, attitudes, or actions by means of symbols, words, music, insignia, and so forth. Propagandists deliberately select arguments and present them in ways they think will have the most effect. They may omit or distort pertinent facts or simply lie. And they may try to divert the attention of the people they are trying to sway from everything but their own propaganda. Now, the reason I sense that the Lord would have me to address this is because it seems many are falling prey to this propaganda today. They are agreeing with and acquiescing to constant and incessant pressure, or worse yet, threats. I'll take it a step further and suggest that some are falling prey to this satanic propaganda due to their being paid to, and as such, even bribed to. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, and the text I chose for the sermon was Matthew 28. And what's interesting is in Matthew's gospel account, we actually see an example of this satanic propaganda to cover up the truth of Christ's resurrection. And we're told that the authorities bribed the soldiers with large sums of money to spread the propaganda that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body. I want to read verses 12 through 15, Matthew 28. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. 
If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Translated, you won't be killed. This was a threat of death, and they knew it. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story slash propaganda has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Fast forward well nigh 2,000 years, and what you'll find is that said propaganda is alive and well today. And this by virtue of how it's been repackaged, reimagined, and reset, if you will. And by that I mean, instead of the propaganda being spread about the Savior of the world, <laughs> this repackaged propaganda is about a different Savior for the world. Stay with me, please by way of a technology metaphor. It's like Satan has all these apps on his devices. I had to upgrade my metaphors, you know, because years ago I, anyway, you young people, I tell my daughter all the time, whatever. She says, you're such a dad. <laughs> Whatever. That's a good one. I think we've earned the right, right? Okay, well, back to the update already in progress. <laughs> so he has these apps on his devices, and the one he likes to use the most, his favorite, is the propaganda app. And when he opens this propaganda app, it spreads like a virus, pun intended, which then gains control, corrupts, and destroys, like a computer virus. After all, Satan's sole goal is to steal, kill, and destroy as the author of confusion, the accuser of the brethren, and the father of lies. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, we have an interesting account of the scribes and Pharisees accusing Jesus of what he was saying and spreading not being true. Jesus, knowing that instead of believing him, they were planning on killing him, responds in verses 43 through 45. Listen to what he says. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, 
not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. The question becomes one of why. Why did they not understand him and believe him? And the answer Jesus gives is that they only understood the language of the devil, which is the language of lies. In other words, Jesus was speaking in a foreign language called truth. And the only language they knew was their native language of lies. And the reason they did not know the language of truth is because of the aforementioned app, propaganda app, as it were, that had corrupted the hard drive of their minds. When this happens, the only remedy <laughs> is to reinstall new files and renew your mind with the Word of God, the Word of truth, the language of truth. While I realize this might sound like a play on words. There's a difference between being brainwashed and having a washed brain. And I'll explain. Actually, I'm going to let the Apostle Paul explain. He explains this in Romans 12, 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice the contrast between conforming and transforming, and also the contrast between worldly and godly. Now, why do I point that out? Because instead of being conformed to the worldly ways of thinking, we can be transformed to a renewed godly way of thinking. We need to wash our brains that have been brainwashed by the world and the propaganda of the world, the thinking of the world, the ways of the world. It's then that our renewed and washed mind is now enabled, activated, and it can now test and prove true God's will, God's Word, which is good, pleasing and perfect. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Unless and until we are transformed 
and our minds renewed by the Word of God, we will never be able to discern and test the spirits. Is this of God? I don't know. You can know. You can test it. You can prove it right here. But unless and until your mind is renewed and cleansed with the water of God's Word, you have no hope of being able to test, prove, discern. To me, this comports with what Paul writes two chapters prior about renewing the mind vis-a-vis hearing the Word. You know this verse well, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Interesting he would say that that way. You would think he would just simply say, so then faith comes by hearing the Word of God. But he doesn't say that. He says, so then faith comes by hearing. And then he qualifies it and specifies it, saying, and hearing by the Word of God. Did you catch that? In other words, (laughs) faith comes by hearing. What you're hearing is what you're going to put your faith in. That's why he has to qualify it. That's how faith comes, is by hearing. But hearing the Word of God, not the world, the Word. This is what happens when you take a week off, right? I'll I'll speak for myself and use myself as an example so that nobody thinks I'm talking about them. I have to be very careful sometimes, because if I look at, you know, one direction, I'm talking about lust and pride and greed, and, you know, they're thinking, oh. (laughs) So I'll just look down. You can see my balding head. One of the things the Holy Spirit has been convicting me of is the voices that I'm listening to. Who am I listening to? Because there's a lot of voices clamoring for our attention. Would you agree? And the conviction comes. Again, I'm not looking at anybody. The conviction comes when I realize, you know, I listened to the news reports more than I listened to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. No wonder. No wonder I have no peace. No wonder I'm full of anxiety. No wonder I'm full of fear. Here's the truth. We're either hearing and believing the truth of God's Word, or we're hearing and believing the lies of this world. It's one or the other. 
a man by the name of Joseph Gables, who was the Nazi minister of propaganda, said it this way. Listen to this. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. One need look no further than to the demonic devastation and destruction that ensued during the Holocaust under the banner of propaganda. The week that I took off, I watched a three-hour documentary you know, just to help me sleep. <laughs> it was about Hitler's propaganda machine. I want to share with you some very interesting quotes. And as I do, I want you to just by the Holy Spirit, try and Listen to this through the lens of what is happening today. Okay? All right. You ready? Okay. Hitler had a deep understanding of how to effectively use propaganda. In the 1920s, he used these skills relying heavily on words, images, and symbolism to define the struggle against the traitors and enemies within their own country. The popular view was that the Allied forces had won the First World War through their superior use of propaganda. This is what Hitler attributed it to. There had to be some kind of magic which the British and Americans naturally used to destroy their great invincible army. It could not be by military means. And the particular necromancy Hitler identified was propaganda. Suddenly it was the new thing. It was the happy pill. It was the hypodermic syringe. What? Which would transform everything. It's not until the humiliation of the defeat in the First World War of 1918 that Hitler arouses himself to think, there's a way out of this. There's a way I can make Germany great again. People will believe what you tell them if you tell them in a strong enough way. He introduces the idea of the big lie. If you tell a small one, they might dismiss it. Tell a big lie and people will believe it, and tell that lie in a big way. Mein Kampf, German for my struggle. 
functions both as a work of propaganda and a blueprint for Hitler's understanding of how to use propaganda as a tool for mass manipulation. He talked about repeating, repeating, repeating your message until you have no resistance left in your audience. You have to develop an image of your enemy as dangerous, almost subhuman, and you exaggerate your message massively. Dare I say that this is exactly what's happening today? And if you'll kindly allow me to, I'd like to explain both why it is and how it is. And in order to do that, we'll bring the live stream on YouTube and Facebook to an end and redirect those that are there to jdfarag.org. What if I told you the image of the enemy from within being dangerous as a traitor back then, are actually the COVID-19 vaccine refusers now? What if I also told you that this massively exaggerated propaganda tool for mass manipulation back then is all about getting people vaccinated now. How? Oh, by repeating, repeating, repeating the big lie. What's the big lie? Oh. COVID-19 and the vaccine being the final solution as the Savior of the world to get back to a new normal in the world. So what are you waiting for? Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Vaccinate. Oh, I'm so glad you laughed. <laughs> if we don't laugh, we'll cry, right? Wait, you're not one of those anti-science, anti-vax, conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat wearing extremists, are you? Oh, you are? Well then, you're a dangerous threat as the enemy, and you're to blame. Just as the Jews were the enemy as a threat to their superior race in that day, so too are the vaccine resistant, fast becoming the enemy as a threat to the human race today. Can you connect those dots? 
And just as the Jews, as the perceived enemy, had to be exterminated back then, so too will the anti-vaxxers, as the perceived enemy, need to be exterminated now. That's the why. Here's the how. In a word, genocide. Back on February 7th, we devoted the update to what's known as the 10 stages of genocide and how they eerily describe with chilling accuracy exactly what's happening in the world today. Just as an example, one of the things you do in a massive genocide is you dehumanize the enemy. They're not human, which is what they did with the Jews. So what are you saying, Pastor J.D.? Well, I am saying that COVID-19 and the vaccine is a satanic plot for a global genocide. Instead of the Jewish genocide back in that day, it's starting to look like it's the evangelical Christian genocide today. On Monday, April 5th, Yahoo News published a New York Times piece bearing the title, How White Evangelicals Vaccine Refusal Could Prolong the Pandemic. In it, they quote Jamie Atten, founder and executive director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, an evangelical institution in Illinois, saying, quote, if we can't get a significant number of white evangelicals to come around on this, the pandemic is going to last much longer than it needs to. On the same day, CBS News published an article, and with it a video with the headline, Why the Pathway to Ending the Pandemic Runs Through the Evangelical Church. Here's an excerpt from the transcript. White evangelicals, by the way, <laughs> you'll forgive me, I, <laughs> white evangelicals? Now, we're here in Hawaii, and we're every tribe, every nation, every tongue. I mean, you got an Arab for a pastor. You got an African-American for an assistant pastor. In fact, I, yeah, I'm not going to go there. So, white evangelical. I'm sorry, I digress. White evangelicals are among the least likely groups willing to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Only about one-third of black Protestants 
are hesitant by comparison. When the guest being interviewed was asked why members of the evangelical community are disproportionately unwilling to take the COVID-19 vaccine, one of the answers provided was, quote, there are those who have some concerns that are very specifically religious, such as those who are concerned there is some relation to something called the mark of the beast in the book of Revelations, kind of a symbol of future times. It's the book of Revelation, not Revelations. I'm sorry, I just... But do, do, you, do you see, I, I know that I, I, the way I said it and quoted it, that, that's for a reason. And you know what that reason is, right? Do you see just the, the I mean, it's just laced with, you stupid idiots. What's the matter with you? Oh, you, you think it's the mark of the beast? <laughs> the guest was, as you might imagine, then asked about ways to persuade them. That's you. Okay, I can't point now. I'm mean, ways to persuade them into getting the vaccine. Listen to her response, quote, I spoke with one former pastor who started a project to kind of try to persuade and educate evangelical Christians in general about the vaccine, because you know, after all, they're uneducated, ignorant, and stupid. That, that's not, she didn't say that. She didn't have to. She did without saying it. He's posting lots of short video clips. Oh, with medical experts interviews that he's doing to address some of the concerns that evangelical Christians might have to persuade them, because they're uninformed, they're uneducated. I mean, come on. How ridiculous is that? They think that this has something to do with end times prophecy. (laughs) The reason I uh, sort of emphasize this short video clip that I guess this former pastor, which makes you wonder why he's a former pastor. I don't know, but just saying. Can I uh, peel back the layer on this propaganda and just say that that's what this is? Oh, by the way, Do you know that Hitler made radios virtually, I mean free, very low price, so that everyone could have a radio? Why? 
to hear his propaganda. They kept hearing it over and over and over again, and they got brainwashed. Kept repeating, repeating, repeating. So let's put, and he used video, by the way, and images, and very powerful, because it accesses a part of the brain that mere words cannot. It's a visual. And you combine the visual with the audio, and you've got a very powerful propaganda tool. And he knew it. So now all these short video clips, they're propaganda pieces. On Thursday, PBS NewsHour published an article along with a video titled, Pastor Reveals the Reasons Behind COVID Vaccine Hesitancy in the Evangelical Community. Here's an excerpt from that transcript in which they interview Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Did you hear that? Southern Baptist Convention. Moore, who stated that he has been fully vaccinated, receiving both shots, said, quote, much of the way that misinformation and disinformation gets combated is with people in conversation with one another. Aww. And that's why lots of us are doing what we can to say vaccination is not only something that's acceptable for Christians, it's something we ought to thank God that we have the technology for, because it's going to get us back to doing the things that we need to do quicker. Oh. Later on in the interview, he says this. I think a lot of this, speaking of the vaccine resistant, is driven by social media, where people are going to suggest, oh, well, this is part of some dark conspiracy, or this is going to get someone sick. One of the things I did early on was to just go through every conceivable sort of conspiracy theory and every conceivable sort of fear to counter those things. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Because the counter videos that I've seen pro-vaccine they just keep repeating the talking points. They just keep repeating, it's the science. Listen to the science. They have no evidence. They can't because there is none. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm sorry. 
if you were to ask me what the greatest struggle I'm having with Christian leaders who are promoting and almost shaming those who refuse the vaccine. I mean, all they're doing is repeating the mantra, listen to the science. That's their only counter. It's very interesting when, you know, they, they do these videos and they'll post them on YouTube and other platforms and you'll watch them and they'll have the expert. They'll have this scientist, that doctor, this immunologist, that expert, that professional. And you'll notice conspicuously absent is any data, any, if you prefer, forensic evidence. I mean, even when you talk about aborted tissue, tissues of aborted babies, they blow it off. Oh, those were cell lines back in the... You're lying. Either you are ignorant or you are lying, because that is false. Show me your data. Did you catch that one part in there? I, I shouldn't go off on this, but I guess too late. <laughs> I just went off on this. But did you notice conspicuously absent when he, when he said that, you know, um, uh, oh, we, we need to, you know, educate them. Oh, uh, they're saying, hey, you can get sick from the vaccine. Show me your data. I'll show you mine. I didn't come out very good, did it? But <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I get for going off my notes. You get the point, right? Because see, the anti-vaxxers, the uneducated white evangelical, well, we've got a lot of data. We got a lot of charts. We got a lot of evidence. We got a lot of facts. And you have the audacity to sit there and say, oh, it's safe. Oh, really? You know what this is? It's propaganda to divert the attention away from the evidence. So when people keep listening to the message, they keep repeating, they're no longer paying attention to the evidence that we are seeing. You got that, right? Now, Please know that I'm in no way suggesting that those who are pro-vaccine or receiving the vaccine are satanic propagandists. <laughs> Please also know 
that I don't have all the answers, nor do I have the corner on truth when it comes to all of this. But God does. And thankfully, God in His Word warns us that there will be this mass deception. You know what's interesting to me in the Gospels and in the Epistles? You know what the number one sign of the end of the age is? Deception. Deception. Matthew 24, when the disciples asked Jesus, what's going to be the sign of the end of the age and your return? Twofold question, really. And the very first thing Jesus says is, let no man deceive you. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. We are warned in God's Word that there will be this propaganda propagated as an evil agenda in the spiritual realm. We don't wrestle with and against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. This is in the realm of the demonic, the spiritual realm, the wickedness in high places, those entities with different rankings. So much so that this propaganda will ultimately give way to a powerful delusion that God Himself sends after the rapture of the church. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know this well. We talk about this often. We finished our verse-by-verse study through First and Second Thessalonians. I want to draw your attention to chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. Oh, the lie. Wait, you just talked about that. Yeah. And all the ways, verse 10, that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, the big lie. That's why. That that explains it. Why do people believe the lie? Because they rejected the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you reject the truth, you're opened up to, I mean, the most bizarre of lies. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it, isn't it a head-scratcher? And you're just looking at, looking at people going, what? I am personally of the belief 
that we're already seeing this begin to come to pass now, as we get closer to the seven-year tribulation. By way of an illustration, the closer you get to the air conditioning or heater, the more you'll begin to feel the cold or hot air from it. You see where I'm going with this, right? So too concerning the powerful delusion and the big lie as the final solution, we're beginning to feel it and see it the closer we get to it. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to take just a moment and share with you that like many of you, I am keenly aware of the implications of all of this. Hear me out, please. Hear my heart on this. Many have shared with me personally the reality of how vax versus anti-vax has caused tremendous conflict between family members and loved ones and even brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I, I really don't have all the answers. But what I do have is what you also have, and that's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Psalm 119 verses 105, verse 105 says that God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it's the Spirit of God and the Word of God that is going to help us navigate our way through these perilous times in which we find ourselves in these the very last days. While I do want to encourage you, I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to also warn you that it's going to get infinitely worse in the days ahead. Think about this. As recently as a few months ago, being labeled an anti-masker was bad, right? But now <laughs> it's anti-masker and anti-vaxxer. The problem is, we're the problem. And like never before, we need the power of and baptism with the Holy Spirit, if we're to have any hope of remaining steadfast and faithful. I received an email that speaks to this from Angela, who's an online member from Orlando, Florida. She writes, recently you have been talking about the vaccines and the types of persecution we may have to endure when we decide to go against the grain. Well, today I learned firsthand what you were talking about. I went into a store and realized I didn't have my mask. I decided I wouldn't worry about it. I grabbed the items I needed and stood in line. When I got to the checkout, a lady in the line started yelling at me. She called me a murderer because I wasn't wearing a mask. 
I was shocked, as was the cashier. I tried to continue checking out, but then she yelled, you are responsible for the deaths of over 500,000 people. Me? <laughs> this is why I don't go to the store. <laughs> you know what? I need, to, I need to insert this parenthetically. Um, talk about data, evidence. I have evidence that the death rate, overall death rate in the year 2020, all causes of deaths, heart attacks, cancer, stroke, whatever, you name it, all accidents, murders, all causes of deaths, total deaths, the year 2020, lower than the previous years. Did you, did you, did you, did, did you know that? Oh, hey, by the way, good news. We've eradicated the flu. <laughs> no. Nobody died of the flu in 2020. Hallelujah. I read a, um, a quote. This is, again, this is probably why I shouldn't take a week off, but... I read a quote, very, very interesting. Um, the vaccine was not made for COVID-19. COVID-19 was made for the vaccine. Did you catch that? So this poor sister in Christ is at the store being yelled at and called a murderer being responsible for the deaths of 500,000 people. She continues, keep in mind, there was a long line of people behind me. So they all witnessed this. I turned to the lady and I said, I'm not going to respond to you. With that, she called me a murderer again. If only this lady knew that like you, Pastor J.D., I have asthma, and it's hard for me to breathe in a mask. Here's another thing I'm going to insert. Just bear with me. Um, it's, it's the irony of ironies. Uh, asthma is caused by vaccine injury. Do you believe me? ADHD. All of these disorders, all of these, uh, you know, issues and problems that, that children have, vaccines, vaccines. And uh, I mean, just by the grace of God. Oh, by the way, we, we talked about this autism, vaccines, vaccines. And we have the data, we have the evidence. Studies, peer-reviewed studies. Unvaccinated children, vaccinated children. Ah, how many of the unvaccinated children uh, don't have ADHD and, and bipolar disorder and asthma? And uh, I mean, it's, the list is long. 
how, many, how many have that? Zero. Zero? Yeah. How many of the vaccinated children have it? Oh, it's off the charts. I wonder why they don't talk about that when they make their videos. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I need to... Okay. Okay, stop. I, I don't need any help, okay? <laughs> so she goes on, most of the time when I wear one, I place it below my nose. If only this woman knew my child was injured by vaccines many years ago and suffers from an autoimmune condition that causes motor and vocal tics. I currently homeschool him because of this condition. Will he be ostracized because he doesn't take the COVID vaccine? I know I will never take one, even if I get yelled at every single day. Instead of even contemplating why I might not be wearing a mask, this woman who didn't know me called me a murderer. It's days like these when I remember all the sermons you have given about clinging to Jesus, because He is the only one we can truly count on. Here's the bottom line. Clinging to Jesus is our only hope. Here's a question. Are you ready to go home yet? <laughs> Listen, I don't mean to sound snarky. Ah, too late. I already am, but it's a sanctified snarky. Is that, is that good? But here's the thing. If any of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, are still clinging to hope in this world, then the answer to that question is no. Conversely, if any of us have lost our lives and hope in this world, denied and died to ourselves and this world, then the answer is a resounding yes. I'm so ready. If you're still holding out hope, yeah, but we're going to get back to a new normal. Get out of here. <laughs> Last week, I received an email from a good friend of many years. She's one of our local members and works in the medical field. I want to read it because it's a powerful testimony of the power of the Holy Spirit in really bringing people around and giving them hope. She writes, I've been wanting to share this with you, but did not get a chance. Back in mid-March, a former employee who sent me a message of how much she is struggling as she is such a minority in our hospital, as those around her have received the vaccine, including those who are Christians. She was tempted to give up and consider receiving the vaccination. I replied that seven of us 
had not received the vaccine in our department and told her about your prophecy teaching. This was her response to me. I watched the sermon twice on YouTube, then on his website. I cried and cried because I'm not afraid anymore. I am a believer. I am a sinner. I believe in God, that He is all-powerful. I surrender my fear to the Lord God, and He has shown me the light at the end of the tunnel. I await His coming, and I know where I am going. Yeah. That's why we do this. You know that, right? Get Jesus to people and get people to Jesus while we still have time. Before it's too late. He's our only hope. This is why we do the updates. This is why we share the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. It's why we share the childlike, simple ABCs of salvation, which is just an explanation of salvation. What's the gospel? Paul writing to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 15, the first four verses says that the gospel is this. Jesus came, He was crucified, died, was buried, and He rose again on the third day. Good news. He did that for you. He did that for you. That's what the word gospel means. Good news. Your debt has been paid. The death penalty has been paid by another. You're free to go. Good news. That's the gospel. The ABCs, I'll tell you, I, I would have never believed when I started doing the ABCs of salvation, probably going on maybe three years now, that God would use such a childlike, simple explanation of salvation to literally reach the uttermost parts of the earth and bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I guess we shouldn't be surprised if God can speak through a donkey in Numbers 22. He can speak through an Arab donkey. (laughs) Right? That's my story and I'm sticking with it. So. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need the Savior. Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners which is why we must be born again, Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Romans 6.23 to me packages, for lack of a better way of saying it, the bad news first with the good news. What's the bad news? Oh, it's really bad. (laughs) The bad news is that you've been sentenced to death because the wages of sin is death. That's really bad. Yeah, I know. You ready for the good news? Yes, I am. The good news is that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's how that works. So a gift is something that you're given, right? If you pay for it, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. 
So if you receive a gift or are offered a gift, somebody had to pay for it. You with me? I know this is very deep and profound, right? <laughs> so Jesus paid the purchase price for that gift, and it cost Him everything. And He offers it to us as a gift to receive the gift of eternal life. That's the good news. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's pretty definite, right? There's no jury that's still out. The verdict is in. The C is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 seals the deal. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to close with a testimony from an online member about the ABCs of salvation. I, and I have to say, I, we receive so many of these, and uh, it's so hard to pick which ones I'm going to share and even have time to share. But I just, this one, this one is just, it's a wow. <laughs> so the online member writes, hi, I am a follower of JD's Bible Prophecy Updates and have enjoyed and learned much over these past months. So have I, by the way. I've learned a lot. I wanted to send him a photo and an accompanying message of my four-year-old grandson, who recently asked his mom, my daughter, who also watches your weekly updates with her husband, to help him pray to ask Jesus in his heart as Savior and Lord. Just last week, Ethan also helped me find a way to leave the ABCs of salvation in a secret drawer of an old table in a coffee shop in Kenosha, Wisconsin, along with other notes people seem to leave for others to read. <laughs> I, Ethan was excited to do this for others since he just prayed his own prayer of salvation a week or so ago. What a neat opportunity the Spirit gave both Ethan and me in doing this. We prayed that God would lead just the right person to open that drawer and pick up that note on a piece of paper I just so happened to have in my purse that day, and that they would desire the way, the truth, and the life found only in and through Jesus. This photo pictured here. Yeah, praise the Lord. This photo is a sweet reminder of how 
wonderfully and surprisingly God works in our lives. A great story to remind Ethan of as well. Thank you, Grandma Jan from Wisconsin. Uh, praise the Lord. Why don't you all stand? We'll have the worship team come up. Appreciate your patience. I'm trying to be sensitive to time. I, I know I've uh, gone over and gone long, uh, but there's just so much. If you only knew how much I don't, <laughs> I, I, I actually archive. Think, well, maybe I'll, I'll do it next week. And then that, that just grows and grows. I literally have hundreds, hundreds. That's not an exaggeration. And I hope you know that I go to the throne and I just ask the Lord. I just say, Lord, I mean, this is a lot of stuff and it's tough stuff. And um, if I were to bring all of this and, and prepare all of this and share all of this, uh, it's going to, you know, take us till, till the rapture. You know, that's, that's how long it's going to, which would be fine, by the way. But um, it, it just, it's so much. And so I asked the Lord for discernment on what it is that He would have me to leave out and what it is that He would have me to share. And I really believe that the Lord has spoken today. And I also believe that we are numbered amongst those of whom it can be said, they have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. If there's anybody here in this church, and I'm going to make no assumptions, that has never called upon the name of the Lord, or somebody watching online certainly, may I just humbly, lovingly say to you that you are really in dangerous territory um, with how fast everything is moving, the swiftness with which Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. You are taking an enormous risk. And I would implore you today to make the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Do not delay. Do not delay. Do not put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, I know that a lot of this is as terrifying as it is exciting. For some terrifying, and rightfully so, because, Lord, I would much rather frighten somebody into heaven than flatter somebody into hell. And if this is what it takes, and it seems that it is for many, if this is what it takes to bring them to You, then Lord, so be it. Lord, for anyone that might be here or watching online, that has never called upon You, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart, putting their trust in You for the forgiveness of sins. I pray that today would be the day. Lord, thank You for the gift of eternal life. Thank You for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank You that for those of us who know You are born again of the Spirit of God. This is as bad as it gets for us, even if it gets worse until the rapture. So Lord, thank You. 
We love you. And Jesus, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.